The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and served them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a lonely place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. The Gospel of the Lord. So it's a very interesting movement as we've been following it through this beginning part of uh, St. Luke's Gospel. And as we've seen in the beginning of his public ministry here, uh, the Lord has devoted, or Luke has recounted for us, many of these kind of occasions of the Lord preaching on the Sabbath. And so we saw how he went first to Nazareth and he was thrown out. Then he comes down to uh, Capernaum and he goes into the synagogue. And in the synagogue, he eventually casts out, as we saw yesterday, that demon, and then now he's going to go into Simon Peter's house. But he is fulfilling what he said and what was prophesied through the prophet Isaiah up in Nazareth, right? So the kingdom, the, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So he is the anointed one. He is the Christ. And he has come to uh, heal the brokenhearted, to pick up the downtrodden, to uh, set at liberty or set at freedom those who are captive. And we see that that's exactly what he is doing. He is fulfilling uh, those words of the prophet Isaiah. He is truly healing. He is lifting up the downtrodden as we see uh, downtrodden spiritually or downtrodden physically. Uh, the Lord is now going to, with his abundance of power, he is going to, uh, again, fulfill all of those things that were foretold what the Christ would do for his people. And so he will do this in terms of a liberation from physical ailments, but also we can see uh, from the effects of what is spiritual as well. So he is able, his, his, his power his, to heal has basically a full spectrum. He's able to cover anything that comes to him. So anything that is brought to the Lord, be it spiritual, be it physical, everything is within his power to heal because he is God. And he is this anointed one. He is the Christ who has now come to his people. And he is driven by this interior movement of love and charity in order to come to his people in their affliction and deliver them from their afflictions. And so we can see that he has just cast out that demon in the synagogue, and now he enters Simon's house. And as we've said before, uh, all the church fathers, they see this as the movement of Christ to establish his church. So he leaves the Jewish synagogue, and he enters into the house of Simon Peter, the house of Simon Peter representing uh, the church, which is, uh, has Peter at its head. And so the Lord then enters Simon Peter's house, 
and Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they simply prayed to him or besought him, spoke to him about her. A very simple activity, which is simply to present to the Lord the need, and he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. And we can see this is one of those strange things that only the Lord is able to do. He can speak to wind, he can speak to rain, he can speak to waves, he can speak to fever. And he addresses all of these things as if they listen to him, and they do. <laughs> and so then again, he speaks to the fever, and the fever departs, right? So the power of his word over everything, uh, the majesty of Christ's word, which we can see in the synagogue, they were astounded at. Remember yesterday, they were truly knocked out of themselves by the power of that word. So not only does it affect human hearts, but it also affects everything created. Everything created is impacted by the word of Jesus Christ. And so that same power of his word here is manifest to cast out fever, and also we will see to cast out demons uh, and to help and to cure any illness that is brought to him. And immediately it left her. And so you can see that this, uh, the effect of his word is also not only all-powerful, but it is immediate in its effects. And then what happens is she becomes like him. She becomes like Christ. That was in one of the commentaries I read yesterday, which I thought was very beautiful. She rises, and the word there for rising is the same word for his own resurrection. So she is almost resurrected, if you will. So she represents in this moment the church of Christ the one that serves within the house of Peter. And so she represents all of us in a certain sense. And so she is raised up through the power of Christ. And then also, and she served them. She served them. Everyone who was within the house, she served. And so she becomes like Christ, the one who came to serve and not to be served. And so she immediately responds to his charity and his love with love. She reciprocates the love that she receives from Jesus. Another thing that I read yesterday was um, a quote from the Jewish, uh, I mean, from the uh, French philosopher uh, Simone Weil. And um, she said something interesting. She says that attention is the purest and the, uh, the I think it's the purest form of uh, generosity is what she says, basically. So attention, simply giving someone attention is the purest form of generosity. And I think that that's right. And that's what we see here um, in today's gospel. We see Christ in terms of his generosity and love. He simply gives attention. And so what happens is first he gives attention to Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And in giving her attention, uh, literally focusing his attention on her, she is healed. Then what happens, it says that they just bring everyone to him. And what he does is he gives each and every person his attention. And as he gives them his attention and lays his hands on them, they are restored and healed. It's the wonderful mystery of attention. It's something that each of we all crave from a young age. You can even, I mean, you look at young kids. I look at my uh, nieces and my nephew uh, with my brothers and my sisters-in-law, which is always, Dad, look at me. Mom, look at me. Look what I'm doing, right? It's this desire for the attention of the ones that we love. And attention is such a simple thing to give. So I can see my brothers when they turn and then maybe look at my nieces, you can see that that actually fills them with a joy. It fills them with joy to have the attention of their father. And so there's something very profound in that. But I think that it is also something to then be reciprocated because God in his divinity always has his attention fixed on each of us. Now that's hard for us to comprehend. 
how is God able to have his complete and whole attention fixed on each of us? The proof of this is that if he stopped holding us in his attention or in his knowledge, we would cease to exist. So the fact that we exist shows that God's attention is upon us. God's attention is upon us. I think what happens then in the incarnation of Christ is that we are able to then receive this in a new way. We are able to understand it in a better way. The fact that God can hold us each in his attention. And I think that this is particularly tied to the mystery of the Eucharist. In the mystery of the Eucharist, especially in the moments of Holy Communion, we can be struck by the profundity of the fact that we possess Christ entirely, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We have in that moment, mysteriously, all of his attention. And each of us has all of his attention in that moment. And in that moment then, where his attention is fixed on us as it always is, we then are called to reciprocate. And so that's the movement in prayer. And I think that that's what then a lot of the uh, spiritual doctors of the church speak about with regards to practicing the presence of God. To practice the presence of God in our interior is simply to be attentive to God, to give Him our attention and to reciprocate the attention that He gives to us. And so I think that's one of the things that we see in today's gospel is that immediately it says, as the sun was setting, and so as the sun was setting, it was bringing an end to the Sabbath, which meant that they could all quickly go and begin working and doing things again and carrying things. And the first thing that they do is charity. They've seen the power of having Christ and his attention fixed on one individual in terms of Simon Peter's mother. And so now they rush off to bring other people into his attention, into his gaze, into his presence. And then the power of his presence and his attention has that power to then uh, heal and to remedy anything that is brought to him. It says, of all the various diseases, he laid his hands on every single one of them and healed them. And so I think that we should think of that when we come to the Lord in the moments of Holy Communion, when we come and kneel before him in adoration, and as we sit in his presence and under that loving gaze as he puts his attention on us, then also we simply attempt to reciprocate his love, his attention, and also his service. Amen.